Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I have a really fantastic guest today, Robert Poole. He helps entrepreneurs go from operator to business owner and get free from the day-to-day operations in their business. Uh, this is really key concept about being an entrepreneur and business owners working on versus working in your business. And um, I'm really excited about this conversation. So, Robert, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me, Dr. Lou. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. All my friends call me Chris, so please do the same. Uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not into titles, or, <laughs> uh, but uh, I thank you. Uh, but So tell people about your background, your story, and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to give you the background again, um, I was uh, an Army officer. I, I graduated from West Point, uh, went into the Army, and then uh, did a short stint in the Army and uh, knew that in the long run that wasn't for me and I wanted to get into business. So when I got out, I got into sales and did a, a variety of sales jobs for several years. And, and then uh, I started a B2B um, marketing company with a a uh, business partner of mine, and uh, we kind of went from zero to uh, millions in business uh, about uh, 17 years or so. Uh, it's been actually 22 years since we've been in business. And uh, unfortunately, my business partner passed away in um, 2017. I just uh, I came into work one day and he didn't. And turns wow. out he had had a, a heart issue. And, um, you know, it was one of those times in life where it, uh, those inflection points where you know, you have to make some decisions. Realized that uh, for many years, uh, use him as a crutch. You know, one of us would go on vacation while the other one stayed around and um, that sort of thing. So I uh, never had to really worry about those things. But suddenly I was in charge of this multi-million dollar company, not enough time in the day, uh, running around with the, you know, the proverbial chicken with the head cut off. Uh, and I realized I need to make some changes. So I've spent the last several years originally changing my business so that I became unnecessary to the day-to-day operations and could focus on um, some of the important things and what was important to me personally and get some of that freedom and started working with other business owners uh, for the same uh, concept because I found a lot of my clients were uh, experiencing the same thing or, you know, entrepreneurs, as you know, we kind of get into this business uh, a lot of times because we don't want to have a boss. We want to have you know freedom. And uh, unfortunately, most of the time it ends up being the opposite. And um, so uh, we've really focused on that. And, and so that's my current focus and is helping other business owners make that transition as well. Yeah. yeah fantastic story. Yeah. I've always been interested in, um, you know, uh, from firing your job and your boss to changing the source of your income from active work income to passive, more royalty, uh, more scalable income. And uh, so I love this idea. And so one thing he's talking about is um, most people, uh, they don't have an exit strategy for their business. And when you ask them that, it's like they they think about selling their business. But talk about turning your business into a saleable asset. Yes. Uh, and that's uh, it's an interesting point you just made there that 
a lot of us don't think about in terms of, you know, uh, well, I don't want to sell my business, you know, right now, or I have no plans to sell my business. Um, and, uh, but the, actually it doesn't matter because there's so many benefits to preparing it as if you were going to sell it, uh, that far, that have nothing to do with the actual, you know, opportunity that you did want to sell it. So, um, you know, I generally work with, uh, clients on, on four areas, of the business, uh, number one is sort of changing your mentality from, uh, an operator to an owner. And it takes a lot of things because we're so as entrepreneurs, we tend to be type A personalities. We want to get things done and have a hard time letting go. And, um, you know, so we've got to change our mentality and there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and then of course, too, you've got to have the right team with you and building that team, whether you're a solopreneur or, you know, you've already got 20 employees, building that team and, and building people that you can trust that is almost like family that, you know, uh, in your absence, things are going to be taken care of. And those people take ownership in the company. That's an art in itself. And it took me a very long time to figure that out. Um, and then, uh, of course, you've got to set up um, processes and automation optimizations. Um, you know, a lot of these days, you know, we talk a lot about AI and everything. That's a big excitement and, you know, all the automations and everything. But uh, behind behind all that, we have to have processes because processes are more important than automation. Automation is a tool that helps processes. And uh, again, you know, I discovered that we didn't have those processes in place, um, you know, and that was something that I really focused on and, and was life changing for me. Um, you know, and then finally, you've got to really um, make sales and marketing um, one of those things that permeates your whole company. Uh, you know, a lot of us owners are like, well, I don't want to be a salesperson or whatever, you know, and that's understandable, you know, um, but we do. Um, it's one of those things, though, that you are the, the head of the company, the leader, and you have to be ultimately in charge of growing the company. So you need to have the, the basic knowledge of, you know, are people doing what they're supposed to be doing, so to speak? You know, you don't have to be a master salesperson, but you need to be able to hire salespeople if that's what you want to do, um, you know, and, and understand if they're doing their job right and what's overall strategies and things like that. And but more importantly, not just you, but we've we've changed so that everyone in our company understands basic sales principles, basic marketing things. So, you know, the receptionist that picks up the phone, she knows how to deal with a prospect or a client uh, from a marketing standpoint. She'll know what to see. You know, that's not her specialty, but she knows just enough to make a difference. And that way, everybody is on the same page. So if you get those four components right, that allows you to uh, build that asset. Like I said, it's not because you necessarily want to sell, but it functions, the company functions better for you. It functions better for any employees you have. Um, they start loving coming to work and, and being part of something. And, you know, your customers and clients get a much better experience. So, um, again, it's not about selling necessarily, uh, although that's certainly an option. Uh, and you're going to have to do that, um, all these things if you want to sell. But uh, it's more about uh, what kind of company do you want to be? So uh, that's a long answer, but I, I, hopefully that's what you're getting at there. Yeah. One thing talking about valuations is interesting is um, why does the value of a business decline substantially if the owner is in operator mode versus owner mode? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a big one. That was one of those wake up calls when my business partner passed away. I'll never forget seeing, you know, we had as part of the estate planning, we had to have several valuations done of the, of the company for a fair uh, equitable settlement and everything. And um, I remember sitting there and the evaluators basically said, 
well, you know, your company was worth this amount, millions of dollars or whatever, uh, but since there's only one of you now, and if something happens to you, the company pretty much goes under, well, it's about worth about a third of what it would be. And so um, what outside investors are, and people that are potentially looking at your company, if they um, view you as integral to the company and if something were to happen to you, um, you know, even if you were, even if you stayed on as an employee of the company in that scenario and they purchased the company, um, you're still so important that the company can't function without you. It becomes much less uh, value for the for an outside investor, um, you know, versus if we do this right and we set it up, we remove you as a as the owner, as a necessary person just to make it the company to run. Uh, it becomes much more valuable because then it becomes just an asset that is cranking out cash and you know is predictable over time. It doesn't have that that because let's face it, it's a massive risk when you got all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. So uh, that, that's where the value really gets killed by not converting yourself uh, into an owner and sticking as an operator. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Especially among positions where, you know, for lack of a better term, we like to be in control and, um, you know, put ourselves in there, micromanage. But in the business world, it's kind of, we have to develop um, systems and automation. I have a question. One thing is, uh, talking about this uh, idea of systems, because now with AI here and robotics is coming in the past, you know, we could automate or make it, we can leverage people in time, but now we have software. And so what is, what is your thoughts on um, AI robotics and systems and automation? Yes. Uh, I, either way I look at it um, and it is very exciting because I mean, we're all uh, super excited to see what, you know, uh, AI is going to become in the next few years. Uh, I was listening to a guy the other day talking about GPT-4, which we're on now. They said that GPT-5 that's coming out is, you know, just light years ahead of it. Um, and uh, so who knows where it's going to go. But um, I think, you know, it always comes back to humans, you know, what tools allows us or allow us to do like automation, uh, even AI is a tool. Uh, it allows us to extend ourselves to remove um, some of the, the things that uh, that we shouldn't be focused on, but we tend to focus on. Um, I always use the example of a calculator. We can sit down and do the, the long math ourselves. We know we can do it, but is that an effective use of our time when we can have a calculator do it? No. Um, and so all these tools that we have, all the automation and everything can save an enormous amount of time. They can do repetitive tasks, but what they do again is free us up to focus on the actual important things and the important things, you know, as good as AI will get and well, you know, maybe in 20 years, it'll be so good. But, um, you know, uh, in my vision, even AI can only go so far because, you know, you get dreamers and, and humans that come up with ideas, you know, uh, uh, try to come up with an AI that comes up with Steve Jobs, you know, type of innovation, you know, uh, and that's difficult to do. So really what these tools do is allow us to become even more so owners the strategists the dreamers the creators the things that well quite frankly that's what we want to be in there for the in the first place so tools don't replace us as much as they allow us to and they break free from some of those uh, tasks that are um that kind of dragging us down quite frankly so they they release us and give us more freedom it is kind of my view of the thing yeah it's interesting because um finding myself moving more away from hired manpower to more software automation. But I think the hired manpower 
in the future is going to oversee the software and systems in place. So they're kind of like a checker and while well, the software and the automation it kind of mm-hmm. does, does the grunt work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the, the way I look at it is that the important thing, a lot of times we tend to focus on the automation because let's face it, it's cool. Um, I love it as much as anybody. I'm a tech nerd. The automation uh, shouldn't replace process. Process should come first, and then automation kind of comes in behind and goes, okay, how how can we do pieces of this process with automation? You know, maybe we can do the entire process with it. Um, but we've the human part of it is figuring is the creative part of coming up with the process. Um, like I said, I think that's where the the innovation comes from. So um, we got to be careful as entrepreneurs as business owners not to get wrapped up in the tool itself without forget, kind of forgetting why we're doing what we're doing. So, uh, but yeah. you're, yeah, you're absolutely right though. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I can never replace the human element, uh, at least for now. But so one thing is uh, talking about is um, how did people know whether they're being truly an operator or an owner? Is there a litmus test? How long does it make, does it take to create that transition? Uh, I'm curious about your insights. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because it um, that the change from operator to owner is is really a spectrum. You know, the way I look at it, uh, there's the I'm I basically bought a job on one side uh, as an operator, um, and a lot of us are are in that position uh, initially anyway. Uh, and then there's the on the opposite end, there's the, I have complete freedom. I'm almost an investor in the sense that I, you know, just check in every few months or something. Uh, so it's a, it's a process of moving towards that spectrum. The way I look at it, it's kind of like the game of golf. You can never win. Um, all you can do is just get closer. Um, and, uh, but I would say to, to reach that, what I would call business owner level is that, you know, if I was going to throw a litmus test out there, it'd be something like, you know, can you, you know, within a few days notice, go off to Tahiti or something and leave your phone at home, not contact your office or your, or, um, and when you come back in a month, is your business still there for one? Is it, you know, <laughs> the door still open? Um, and more, more importantly, is it thriving? Is it growing without you? Um, and it, that's making the point that um, we want to make sure that our business eventually has got the right people in place, the right systems in place, the right automation. Uh, when we are taken out of the picture that everything doesn't fall apart. And then more importantly, that things continue to grow. So if you look at it from that standpoint, um, you know, as far as time, it really, of course, depends on where you're starting. Uh, if you're a solopreneur and, you know, you're just getting your business starting, it's going to take a little bit longer. But you also have the advantage of um, not having all kinds of um, the sort of the uh, it's easier to turn a speedboat 180 degrees than it is to turn an ocean liner. So if you have- <laughs> you got no employees and you're starting out, it's a lot easier to make changes quick and easy than if you have 50 employees and all of a sudden you got to make changes there. So, um, but so I would say, you know, for the average business owner that I've been working with, probably um, I would say a year to 18 months for a smaller business that might have, you know, two, three, four employees, something like that. Um, You know, and, but the biggest thing is that I've found uh, what really drives the time is the commitment on the part of the uh, the entrepreneur? You know, uh, some of us, you know, I mean, well, all of us, I think, have a hard time delegating and, and getting rid of things and and changing that mentality. It's you know, it's tough. We want to do it right. We want to do it our way because hey, that's yeah, it's our business. The easier or the the quicker that we can let go a little bit and we can start focusing on what I would call owner activities 
versus you know um, operator activities, the faster that process goes. So a lot of times, uh, what motivates people is that, my gosh, I'm working 80 hours a week. I, I don't even see my family. I, I feel like I'm going nowhere. A company's flatlining because I just don't have enough time. That person is usually pretty motivated to get this done quick. Um, whereas, you know, you're a solopreneur, things are going great. You're making good money. You know, you work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. You're happy. You're not as motivated. So it may take you a little bit longer. Uh, so um, to answer your question in that sense, I think it's uh, it really is about motivation is really what drives the time. Yeah. And how do entrepreneurs get started making the shift for a lot of people? They've, um, they've been solopreneurs. Um, I know a lot of, you know, physician practices, you know, they've kind of uh, started. How do they start removing themselves from the equation? Yeah, it's um, of, of course, like anything, you've got to have a plan, but it, it really comes down to those those four areas. Uh, and depending on where you start. But to me, the the thing that you want to do from the beginning of the business is process is probably the biggest thing, even more so than uh, bringing in a team to help. If you don't have processes to start off with, and more importantly, if you don't have processes that are documented, you're going to have a real hard time growing. So, you know, if it's, let's just say it's just you, you know, and you're like, how do I start? You do certain things over and over and over again. And you do them probably well because that's how you got into the business. Uh, but what you need to do is be able to document those things so that you can bring somebody else in and they can learn very, very quickly how to do 90% of what you're doing versus taking six months of working with you, you know, so to speak, uh, and following you around. Now, it obviously depends on the, you know, how technical, you know, the work you're doing and that sort of thing. But I think that's probably the biggest thing is to start with some sort of process oriented uh, where you're looking at, okay, how do I uh, optimize our sales process? Um, how do I set it up? How do I sit down? What happens when, you know, let's say you most of your sales come from referrals. What happens when that person first calls you? What do you do next? And go and you create those steps uh, and you document that. And which is not fun, you know, as a, you know, entrepreneurs were, we're, we're busy, you know, uh, positions in particular, you know, you don't have time to sit around. Um, so a lot of times um, what what we've done in our company works very effectively is, um, you know, it depends again on the job, but let's just say it's an administrative type of thing. Uh, like we had an instance where a gal was, she was a very technical type of thing and it wasn't a technical skill that, um, that you would put up a, you know, a job posting for and there's a gazillion of them out there. Um, it was data analysis, but it was very specific to our company. And so what we did, because we said, you know, how, you know, she's like, how do I document this? This is, you know, I mean, it's overwhelming. And so what we did is we found um, a sort of a documenting specialist. Uh, and uh, I apologize, I've forgotten the title of, the, of her job. But basically, she was a contractor that came in and she had this person screen record what she was doing, just turn on the recorder uh, and do it throughout the day. Um, and she was uh, practiced in making policies and, and training manuals and things like that. And so she could just take that work that that person was doing, uh, even though that person couldn't explain everything. And they were able to turn that around and, and put it into sort of um, very easy to learn uh, tutorials and training and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and it wasn't that expensive, but it, it'll uh, but like that. And then and the reason we did this is because this person was leaving the company and we didn't want that knowledge to leave with her. 
so when we brought in the person that was her replacement, in the past, it would have taken literally a year for that person to get up to speed on all this stuff. She was good in a month. And it was because of this documentation process. So, um, you know, if a physician has, um, you know, uh, let's say their physician assistant, you know, I'm sure they've got processes and things that they do, you know, on a daily basis, how they do things. And what a lot of us end up doing is if we're going to hire somebody new, we bring in and we have it shadow the other person, so to speak, you know. And unfortunately, that just takes forever sometimes. The process is probably the easiest way to, again, it, it doesn't, um, but sometimes where we get paid the big bucks in business is by doing the, the unexciting, boring things that are not real flashy. Um, but um, that's probably the, the number one thing I would start with. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, one thing, well, the other uh, questions, you know, what's, it's really interesting is just kind of finding ways to just like remove yourself, free up your time, um, and whether you can hire somebody or find other solutions, um, training as well. Um, the other question is because there's ESOPs, there's like uh, employee stock ownership plans. So uh, for business owners uh, to get their employees invested and invested in the business so they don't quit and just run away. And what, what is the ideal role for employees? Should they be just employee or they should be think of it as ownership? You know, I'm a big fan of Apple, you know, Amazon, you know, all these different products. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is excellent point, Chris, uh, because that was one of the things that I missed for many years. Uh, my attitude around in the military was kind of hardcore. And, uh, you know, you pay them enough and money is all that matters to it, though. Survey after survey, you'll see it. You know, things like, are they making a difference? Are they getting fulfillment out of their job? Uh, do they enjoy who they're working with? Um, you know, all those types of things. They had a, a idea of how to create that until I went through that that whole idea, that whole uh, situation with my business partner. Um, and I realized it really is about culture. Um, like you mentioned, you know, big companies like Amazon and, and Apple have a certain culture to them. And I, I always, um, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine, that, you know, when I start to hear uh, what I would call corporatinese, you know, big, lots of big words and ways of saying absolutely nothing by, you know, um, you know, uh, so I always blew off like cultures. Oh, that's one of those fluffy things that doesn't matter. But I realized, though, that it actually does matter. And it's not just for large, you know, corporations. It's for two person operations. And because culture is about the, the unwritten rules that we all have, um, that a group always has, you know, unwritten rules. You know, if you on the weekends uh, where I live in, in Arizona, there's a lot of people who are, you know, bike riders, you know, and so there's groups of these people, you know, cycling and, you know, they're all dressed the same. They all got the little skinny shorts on, you know, they all got the helmet, <laughs> you know, and, but those people are all, they've got their own internal group rules. And, you know, that's an example. So what we found is that um, if those rules are there, but if we don't um, think about them, it's just like in a sales script. If you don't think about what you're saying um, and plan it in advance, you're going to get in trouble. So what we started doing is we sat down with our company and everybody had input and we created a literally a list of, you know, how we how we think, how we do things. You know, um, you know, we would start, you know, even things like, you know, we don't um, tolerate any kind of, you know, sexual harassment or whatever or you know, we like to have fun and don't take things too seriously, whatever, you know, so we're just brainstorming rules, so to speak. 
and we we finally came up with i think it's maybe 12 different things that we all kind of agreed on it's like that's us you know and um we we've taken it so far as when we bring in a new hire in the interview process we hand them this list of here's what you know our group our culture is all about um you know make sure you're comfortable with this if you're it doesn't mean it's not good or bad it just means that's who we are and so you want to fit into that and i can't tell you what a difference that's made um in the the morale in people sticking with us you know when we've been through tough times or tough uh, situations you know in the past if somebody was just there for the money boom they're out of there you know it's created an environment where we're a family and you know uh outside of work people are loyal and doing things for each other people are nobody's you know clocking out right on the dot you know they're getting early and staying late you know our our average tenure our company is now over five years for an employee and it's because of this shift in culture um and i, I can just say because it's a it was a stark difference be, before and after you know because i know what it's like to have churn with employees and coming and going and not only how expensive that is but it's just it's not fun and so focusing on culture recognizing what it is everybody being on the same page creates that loyalty uh and creates that environment that we all want to be part of you know so um so i would say culture is probably the number one thing that that you want to work on i love that um and then there's a great quote that says uh you know becoming become an owner become an investor invest in you know like for example if you work at apple you can buy their shares or if you start if you frequent starbucks you know buy their shares disney you know these types of things become a owner and not a consumer it's been same thing with the business you know what you want to invest in there um so how can people contact you follow you uh, reach out to you and check out your work yeah absolutely um appreciate that um i'm on all the social media platforms uh, most of them under the robert pool uh pool with an e in the end and um uh, my youtube channel's got 40 or 50 videos on different topics uh, for small business owners on there right now and i, I crank those videos out um, and I also wanted to make a, a special uh, offer to your audience. I was thinking about it before the show, and I, I, I do um, group coaching, but I, and I do a limited individual coaching. But um, yeah. you know, I, if um, since I only have so much time, as you know, um, but I'd like to offer the, the first three people that contact our office, um, you know, complimentary thirty-minute session, and, and we can talk about some of the stuff where you are in your business and. You know uh, what's what's it going to take to get you out of there and and get that freedom uh, and all the other benefits that we talked about. So um, you know if you want to uh, take those ideas and, and run with them, great. You know if you want my help in implementing, we can talk about that. But certainly not a sales presentation or anything like that. So, yeah. uh, but you can you can reach us also our website mm -hmm. total business. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm out there to be more than willing to, to help any of your audience. Um, you, you've got you're my people so to speak. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to speak with anybody. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot of doctors, um, uh, professionals would be interested in learning how to become an owner as opposed to operator. And uh, let's thank Robert for coming onto the show, dropping nuggets of wisdom. All of his resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Great. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment 
share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.